You are listening to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. For more information about the Pursuit of Manliness or find out about the herd, make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. Well, every Friday, we do a podcast called Out in the Garage. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, you're like, he ain't out in a garage. He's in a house. That is correct. The garage is uh, is a bit messy right now uh, for, for a variety of reasons. And I thought to myself, I'm not moving all that around uh, to record a video. I'm going to do it right here. So uh, we're in Genesis chapter 44. And what we're doing is we're trying to walk through the Bible a chapter at a time and look for... Uh, ways that we put ourselves within the text, but also application. And if, if you're new to this, if you're new to Out in the Garage, I, I don't read it, you know, verse, every verse. Um, as a matter of fact, at the end, I'll probably tell you, you need to take a look at this particular text for yourself before we get into the actual text and, 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 and doing our best to unpack it this morning uh, or whatever part of the day that you're watching this or listening to this. Um, a couple things I want you to know. Um, number one, we are at we had nine days left. This is Friday, November 11th, Veterans Day. My kids walked out today, and my wife for that matter, red, white, and blue. I mean, like they're going to a parade or something. So it's red, white, and blue day at their school. They've scrapped the dress code for today, so all red, white, and blue. And last night was red, white, and blue day at their uh, their basketball game. There is hope yet that there will be a generation who will appreciate where they live, there is there's a little bit of hope there that uh, they may they may find value in that. I don't know if that happens at your kid's school. Uh, my kids go to a a, a Christian school. I'm not saying that's for everybody, but I will say this: you better know who's pouring into your kids every day. You better know whatever they're stuffing down your kid's throat. You better know what flags they got in the classrooms and what kind of character they have. And you better know their social media presence. You say I I, I don't do social media. Uh, they do. <clears throat> they do. And the teachers that I know, uh, most of them not shy about talking about what they believe. And you think, so you're standing in front of however many kids every day for seven hours or so. Uh, Dad, you need to know what this person is, is, is teaching your kid. And don't assume it all just works out uh, because uh, history proves that that doesn't, that doesn't happen. So um, it, listen, even within a, a Christian school, I, I want to know. I want to know who's talking to my kids. I want to be in the conversation when they come home and what they've learned or why do we know this person's political beliefs or why do we think this person thinks this is okay or why are they hanging these things in their classroom? No, that, that's not okay. That is my most personal investment in my life. And so I want to know uh, the people, especially if I'm paying for it, I want to know that they're at least educating my kids with education and not propaganda or anything like that. So I wasn't playing on that, but uh, red, white, and blue. How about that? Veterans Day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, veterans. Um, I don't have a good strategy for this, but I think veterans should get far more perks in our country than they get. I don't know what that looks like. I have no uh, campaign promises I'm running on. I'm just saying they should get something. I don't know if you eat at Applebee's for life for free. I don't know what that is. You should get something. I know you get some things. I don't think you get enough. And I say I'm not a veteran. So I appreciate you guys that have served. 
Uh, you guys, um, and you've done what a lot of us couldn't or wouldn't do. And uh, you sacrifice more than we'll ever understand. Your families have sacrificed more than we'll ever, ever understand. And let me just tell you this before I, I, I get into anything else. We need you. We need you, man. And so if you're lonely, if you're, if you're questioning things, if you're struggling, I get it. Reach out. Reach out to somebody. Shoot me an email. Man, I don't know what kind of help I am. I'm just going to try to encourage you, point you to Jesus, but reach out to somebody. It's okay to say, I'm having a hard time right now. It's okay to say, um, man, I'm not in a good spot. That's okay. Please do that. I'd rather, we'd all, we all would rather have you do that than to not have you. Okay. So I want to say that. Um, so yeah, November 11th. How about that? Uh, we're also looking at uh, nine days for tribe registration ending. And so that will end on Sunday, November 20th. I, I feel like I talk about it ad nauseum, but again, there will be some guys that just didn't know it existed or what it's about. It's a community. It's an online community, six months that we read the Bible together. We read it, you know, another book together. We're reading Chad Robichaud's book, um, Unfair Advantage. I got a few more tribe packets that are fixed on going out early next week. Um, we have a point man over certain regions. We're adding uh, a couple different elements to this one. We're adding a tribe podcast this this session. Um, it won't be like this where you download it on the, all the platforms. It'll be very specific to the guys in tribe. And it's just another way we just keep building that community. And that community, like I said, online in the beginning, and that's that's a safe spot for some guys. But it's also kind of an, an unsettled spot for some other, other guys. They're like, I don't want online stuff. I get it. But I'm telling you this, it nearly almost, that didn't make any sense. It almost always moves into real life. I, I guarantee it. You'd be hard pressed to find a guy that's been in tribe for more than one session who hasn't intentionally met up with somebody. And if they haven't, they, they probably could tell you it wasn't because the opportunity wasn't there. So these guys meet up, they hang out, we go on, you know, camping trips, they meet up for, you know, ruck or race or whatever they do. It's just great. It's a good thing. So you want to get part of that. And we have Christmas boxes available 50 Bones, you get um, Armor Nation Coffee, Christmas Blend. You get Dark Water Woods, uh, St. Nick Beard Oil. You get the Quiet Life Stocking Cap. You get the uh, Ugly Sweater Christmas Patch and um, some stickers. So, yeah, 50 bucks. That is probably saves you about almost $20 just doing that. So, looking at that, we're getting into Genesis 44. This Last week we talked about Judah saying, listen, let's go. Let's go. Let's stop dragging our feet. Somebody had to stand up. Somebody had to say, no, we're going to live. We're not going to die. We're not just going to exist and hope that something magically gets better. Someone, as we've talked about before, has to go first. Judah said, I'm that someone. I will be the someone that goes first. There are times where... I've confessed to you that I'm I'm a bit of a lone wolf. I, I'm really I, I'm a great social distance guy. Uh, you don't have to tell me twice to shelter in place. I'm good. I'm I'm very very good. But there's sometimes you got to be the one that makes initiates the contact. You say hello to the person in the store. You talk to the guy in line. I was talking to a guy in line the other day. I was voting. I'd rather just stand there. No, I think that's a great opportunity just to uh, I thank the guy who was in the uh, Army fatigues. Thank you for serving. Appreciate that. Talking to the people that are working the, the, the polling areas, you know, and thanking them for doing that. And even the people handing out the stuff as you walk in, which drive me crazy. I just thank them. Thank you. Because they, 
at least with a, a strong enough conviction to stand outside in all different types of weather and hand you one more piece of cardboard before you walk in. Hey, thank you. I probably don't agree with most of you guys, but uh, thank you for your conviction. Maybe more people need to do it. I don't, I, I don't know. But someone has to initiate the contact. Judah says, I'm going to be that guy. So as they make their way back, they make their way back with Jacob's most prized possession, and that is Benjamin. It would have been Joseph, but he believes Joseph has been torn to shreds by an animal. So it's got to be it's got to be Benjamin. And I mean, it was just like, man, it was hard to get obviously Benjamin out of Jacob's hands. And uh, we don't know exactly how old Benjamin is here is right now. Um, I'm struggling to put together coherent sentences today. Not enough coffee, but he allows him to go. He allows him to go with uh, Judah. They get there. And then Genesis chapter 44, the title of mine, Joseph Test His Brothers. Have you ever been there? You, you haven't seen someone for a number of years. Maybe you haven't seen them for a, you know, a number of decades. And when you get around them, you're like, man, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And then I think we've met people through the years that maybe you haven't seen for a number of years or maybe a number of decades. And you say, while they sound the same and while they you know, pretty much look the same, they're radically different. And hopefully for the better, but they're radically different. And I think that's what what Joseph's trying to measure here. He's trying to measure like what what has changed in your life, if if anything. Are you st- do you still nitpick at each other? Are you still you know delusional about stuff? And so it says. Then he commanded the servant of his house, fill the man's sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of a sack. Um, Joseph's creating a bit of a ruse here, and he says, "Here's what we're fixing on doing: all the money they just gave us to get this food." After the dinner's over and Benjamin got his, you know, multiple portions and everything, it's time to go home. Send him home. Joseph's like, I, I don't think I want to do that. So he take he tells the servants, take the money, put them in their their sacks. So they had they had these bags, these travel bags that they would have had. He says, fill them, fill them full of the food, but take my cup, take these things that are important, and uh, he intentionally puts it in Benjamin's. Put my cup, my silver cup in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph told him. He said, I'm, I'm setting these guys up. So he puts them, you know, in their saddlebags and stuff, fills it up. These guys are, you know, getting ready for the trip, maybe getting, you know, use the restroom, get a drink of water. I, I don't know what they're doing. Getting a souvenir from Egypt. Who knows? So while this is taking place, he says, I want you to put it in Benjamin's bag, first and foremost. Make sure you get that right. So as as they get down the road, they said, we're out of here. See you later. Thanks for everything. Man, we got to do this again sometime. And they get going down the road. And uh, suddenly, uh, we got some, some, some people that roll up next to them. And he says, uh, as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away on their donkeys. They had gone a short distance from the city. Now Joseph said to the steward, up, follow after the men. And when you overtake them, say to them, what, why have you repaid evil for good? They know what's up. Joseph knows what's in there. It's like a parental move. He already knows. He already knows, but we'll see how this goes. Like a lawyer, I you know, I've never been a lawyer, but I, the way I understand it, a lawyer is not supposed to ask questions they already don't know the answer to. They're not trying to get caught off guard, right? Well, these guys roll up next to him and say, hey, what are you doing? And and Joseph's brother's in fact like, man, we, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't take anything. And, you know, you imagine like you ever been in a situation where there's guilt being, being dished around and you know that you're innocent. How do you act more innocent? Situa- like we were in a 
coffee shop, breakfast place or something the other day um, after our, our camping time, my wife and I, and a guy came back to the table where we were now sitting and said, uh, is there an umbrella there? You know, like it was raining outside. We're like, no, I don't think so. And, you know, you know, these coffee places, all these tables are so dainty and stuff. So, you know, we're trying to look around like, no, there's no umbrella. He came back in again trying to find it. And then he came in. Uh, I might have came in again. I could be wrong. But nevertheless, when you see this guy continue to look for it, you think, I hope he doesn't think I took his umbrella because I don't want your umbrella. I'm not really an umbrella carrying guy, but I didn't take your umbrella. So how do you prove you didn't take the umbrella? I just keep eating my breakfast, drinking my coffee. I, I just told him, I don't know, man. Like, I'll, I'll buy you a new one. I mean, I, 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 you know, and he wasn't blaming us. But how do, how do you make yourself more innocent? Well, they say, hey, we promise we, we did not do this. Well, when you have all the authority and all the power in the world, you don't have to take their word on it. And the stewards, I believe, know what's up, but they're uh, they're going to go with force. Maybe they don't know what's up. Maybe only just you know, maybe just one or two guys know. Otherwise, it would, wouldn't work. And so, as they come back, Joseph begins to accuse them. Joseph begins to accuse them and say, "Man, you took my cup that I use for." divination and you you thought you could steal it what are you trying to get a souvenir from this place no 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 we wouldn't do that we wouldn't do that and so as he begins to accuse them judah says can i have a word and i remember judah's the guy who back home said if this doesn't work you can blame me forever he said that 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 will be my story you can blame me forever and what we know of jacob Oh, he can hold a grudge. Jacob's like an elephant. He ain't forgetting anything. This guy can hold a grudge with the best of them. And Judah said, listen, I'm well aware that you can hold a grudge. You got guys in the family that you, you don't talk to. You're going to curse him when, when he gets to the end of his life. You've made it clear that, that you've mourned Joseph and Benjamin's all you got. You made it clear which wife that you prefer over the other wife. Like it's it's you know Jacob's got some uh, personality quirks to say the least. Judah's well aware of this, but here's the thing: it would be easy to go back and say, "Well, I don't got Benjamin now." What do you mean you don't got Benjamin? <laughs> that guy took him, and the dad would tear his clothes and put you know ashes on his head, sit outside and mourn for days, if not for the rest of his life. But Judah's like, I can't do that. I gave my word. I gave my word. I cannot leave this place without Benjamin. So Judah stands up and he begins to tell the story. Here's the situation. Here's our family. He said, if this happens, this will be the end of Pops. It'll be over. As soon as he sees, this verse 31, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, to the sorrow of Sheol. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. You know, if you're one of the brothers in there, it's one thing to see Judah stand up and go, draw on the line. Not going to live like this anymore. We're going to do some things different in this house. Watching him make the march to Egypt, knowing, I got you. Benjamin, I, I got your back. No question. 
you know what? Wherever he goes, I go. Let's just, we're tethered together, right? Benjamin, you don't use the restroom by yourself. I'm going with you because I said, if this happens, well, now the rubber meets the road and things got real tense and it's not their fault. I mean, they didn't really steal this cup. They weren't really trying to pull a ruse and take their money back. They weren't doing all that stuff. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do we give our word and then do we follow through with the actions that uphold that word? Or do we just talk the talk? I was talking to a good friend of mine about this yesterday. In some of the Christian circles, we talk about iron sharpens iron and we're, we're warriors and we're putting on the armor of God and we're going into battle and we have all this really aggressive talk only to see that the individuals you know, get their feelings hurt, they wander, some of them are um, not connected to a church community, to a small group, or to anything like that. But we have all this like really strong, aggressive talk, but it doesn't line up. I've seen people use really strong, aggressive talk, only to find out everything behind the curtain is an absolute mess. So on the surface or on the stage or around the table or on the Zoom call, you're like, man, this dude's got his stuff together. I, I need to learn more from this guy. And then, then you pull the curtain back and you're like, no, no. It would be easy for Judah to do that, right? Like be the guy who had the strong talk, the strong speech, the rah-rah, you know, pregame speech. Well, then he's gone out and, and he's, got, he's got Benjamin with him and he's doing all the things they're supposed to do. They're supposed to go home. Uh, this is ain't painting out the way that we thought. Now it's halftime. You're going to make some adjustments. You're going to say, you know what? That didn't work. Scrap it. Here's what we're going to do. No, Judah said, I told you that I will be a pledge for him. I will be a pledge for him. The rest of the brothers ain't saying a word. I do believe this. If you're going to be a guy who takes a stand, if you're going to be a guy who's going to be bold, if you're going to be a guy who stands on sound biblical theology, it's going to be lonely at times. But just like Elijah, where God had 7,000 prophets, all right, he's like, God's like, you're not alone, I promise. The narrow road does get lonely, no question about it. You're, you're not alone. That's one of the things I love about Tribe. There's constantly a conversation going on. We have, so, we have like eight different time zones. I mean, there's constantly something happening. So if you need someone, you got someone. But it can feel lonely. My wife was talking about this last night about different conversations and strange theologies and people want to believe this and want to believe that. You can want to believe a lot of things or I can I just feel like this. That you can do that, but if it does not line up with biblical truth, you're just wishful thinking. You're, you're just delusional in, in your faith. You can say, I just believe or I just think. If it doesn't line up with truth, and truth only needs to be revealed. It only needs to be revealed, and that, that's what Joseph's fixing on doing next week. He's going to reveal, like, okay, this is what's going on. Judah says, I'll be that guy. He says, verse 34, For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. Judah says, I gave my word. I will follow through. Men, I want you to consider that today. Where have you given your word? To your wife, to your work, to your church, to Jesus, to your kids, to whatever. You've given your word. I will be this person. I will fulfill this role. I will do this to the best of my ability. And then we begin to waver. 
We've talked before about some of the promises we make when we're dating or engaged. Where you tell her dad, hey, you know, and then then you get married and you turn into Captain Jerkface. What happened? You sold him a bill of goods. You told him you're going to do something. You had really no intention of doing. Or you saying, well, it got hard. Or well, you don't understand. She's not always easy to live with. You're not either. I'm not easy to live with. I know it may shock a couple of you, but I'm not. So sometimes when the person is easy to live with, it's because you're not being easy to live with. It, it goes both ways. It does go both ways here. Your church, well, you know, they weren't going to, and they did. Man, so many posts about people critiquing their, their church, their pastor. If your pastor doesn't preach on this, if your pastor's silent on this, what are you doing? What are you leading? Who are you pouring into? Who have you discipled? Who have you evangelized and brought to your church? Well, nobody, but that's because... No, no, you misunderstand the church. It isn't your pastor's job to run a daycare for delinquents. So he should just take it, and then we should expect everything from him. He should expect the minimum for us, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's why these places are closing down. That's why pastors are quitting at a crazy rate. That's why they're going to the secular world and working other jobs. They said, no, we're not doing that no more. That may have worked 20, 30, 40 years ago. That ain't working no more. It's too messy. And then if they are on social media, now they see how messy their congregation is all the time. And you're like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Your job, do we take shortcuts? Do we complain about our boss? See people that do it online, like that's not a good idea. Did you tell your boss in the interview, I'm going to be a hard worker, I'm going to be a team player, I'm very teachable, and then you get there, you're like, no, nah, I'm going to take all the vacation time I can get, I'm going to take extra breaks, I'm going to, I mean, I don't know what you do for a living, and I don't know the working conditions, but if it's that bad, leave gracefully and find a place that you can stay and commit to. It's hard, that's why they pay you. It's not fun, that's why you get paid. It does get tiring, that's why we give like vacation time. Can you imagine back in the day when there's no vacation time? What do people do? It's worked. I don't know. That's why they became a. That's why they were an agrarian society. They said, "I don't want to go to work. I'm going to grow my own food. It's hard, but at least I get some peace and quiet sometimes." I want you to think about that. Do your words and actions line up? We talk about that in tribe. We we have a lot of we have a covenant that we sign the very beginning. And some guys that that's the last time they ever take a look at that covenant. They have no intention of fulfilling anything of there. Okay. And other guys they hold fast to that pretty well. Like we don't lord it over them. But it's a six-month window, and I've said a number of times that I believe Tribe is a snapshot of your life. You could start off with the best intentions. You get the brand-new journal. It's January 1st. It's whatever it is. You got the new Bible. I'm going to mark it up. I'm going to have a highlighter system. I'm going to. Then you get to Leviticus, and you're like, well, this isn't as fun anymore. This is hard. This was a bad day. I didn't have time to read my Bible. I didn't feel like I didn't, you know, this happened or that happened. What do you do when the new wears off? What do you do when the rubber meets the road? What do you do when the pressure cooker is just turned way up? And you talk about turned up. Judah knows this guy could end us. But he said, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's not being flanked, you know, by 10 other brothers going, we're going with him. Nope, it's Judah. And there are times that you're going to stand in that arena. You're going to stand in that ring all by yourself. And you're going to get knocked down. And I think the guy that gives himself the best chance of winning is the guy that knows he will get got knocked down from time to time, but he's going to dust himself off. He's going to get back up. And he's going to stay in the fight. You say, nope, I'm going to keep doing the right thing. 
guys that run to darkness, guys that turn everything off, guys that hide from Christian men or Christian accountability or Christian relationships, nothing good's going on. And we ain't buying it for a second that, that there is. You stay in the light. You stay moving the right direction. You stay a man of your word. And when called upon, you speak up. When called upon, you stand on truth. What Judah's doing here is ultimately going to change a nation. Israel is going to move to Egypt. Joseph doesn't have to do this. He never has to reveal himself to who they to these guys. And he doesn't reveal himself to them until Judah takes the stand. Judah take, taking his stand will save a nation. Israel is not going to move to Egypt. They're going to be able to live. They're going to be able to grow. And then eventually... They end up as slaves. Eventually, they end up free. Eventually, they wander the day. Oh, right now, he is he is saving a nation. And I don't know how you save our nation. I started talking about that in the beginning on this Veterans Day. I don't know how you save our nation. But I do believe the math that it's one guy at a time. I don't think I can go to Pennsylvania Avenue with a megaphone and just yell, Repent, turn, you guys need to be men of presence and word, your word and give best effort. And I don't think that's going to work. I think it starts one guy at a time doing the right things, taking a stand when necessary, being bold, being steadfast, being immovable in his faith, not apologizing for fighting for the hearts of his kids, not apologizing for taking a stand on conviction, never apologizing for doing the things that God has called us to do. I just believe it's one guy at a time. And if you're listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to get connected to Pursuit of Manliness Communities because we have some of those men. We have that happening. And if you need it, I would encourage you to lean into it and engage in it. And I believe tribe is the place you need to be. I really do. Because that's where you just walk and live a little bit different because you know you got your guys. You know, you got your guys fighting for you and with you. You got your guys that are praying for you. You got your guys that are reading the same thing you're reading and having the same conversations. And we're having, you know, this different forms of camaraderie and joking around. And we got nicknames and memes and all this, whatever. And every time we start over, it all starts at zero. December 1, it's all zero. We say, welcome new guys. We cannot wait to learn from you. Think about it. Read Genesis uh, 44. I'll talk to you in a bit. Once again, thank you for listening to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. If you would, make sure you visit iTunes and leave a five-star review. Again, for more information or find out more information about the herd, visit thepursuitofmanliness.com.